Today, we continue in our exploration through the Gospel of John that was started last week. And as with all of four Gospels, it is amazing to read. And it's just um, refreshing and good for our souls to spend time with Jesus. Last week, Pastor Bill launched us off with John chapter 1, and he looked specifically at verses 1 to 18. And he challenged us to celebrate, lament, and what to do in our own lives in response of what we read out of out of these verses. So I encourage all of you actually to read through the Gospel of John as we go. If you didn't read the rest of chapter 1, do it today. And then I'm going to be preaching from chapter 2 and uh, Pastor Danny next week from chapter 3. So read those chapters, fill in the parts we're not preaching on, and learn more about Jesus. Spend some time with Jesus in the Gospel of John as we journey through it together. Also last week, Pastor Bill shared three pictures with us of very special events. Do you remember them? Yeah, three weddings. What a joy and keep continuing to pray for these couples as they adjust to life together uh, after this very exciting time in their lives. So weddings, weddings. We're going to spend time today looking at one of those and uh, Jesus being present at one. And as we do that, we of course need guidance and uh, revelation from the only one who can open our hearts and our minds and our souls to what we, we need to hear from God today. So let, let's pray. Lord God, we do ask you to be present. We need you, Holy Spirit, so that our hearts are open to hear what you want us to hear. May these words be ones that each of us need. Different words for different people, but you know, Lord Jesus, what we need. So I pray that the words that come out of my mouth are your words, Father, and that they, they reach each one of us. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So yes, we're going to spend time today in the narrative about Jesus at the wedding in Cana. And uh, yeah, it's that story. If you've heard it before, you probably remember he turned water into wine. Now, that, you know, it's interesting. You read a lot of people who have talked about and preached and, uh, and taught out of this story. And there's such a range of things to talk about. It's extraordinary. <laughs> One of them you hear about is people trying to say that it wasn't really wine. Well, most theologians, theologians say, well, that just isn't true. Wine was the drink of the day. It was the safest drink to drink um, because it got rid of some of the impurities in water. So we're not going to talk about that today. But a wedding. And I love that Jesus went to a wedding because you know what? This simple, joyful event reveals that Jesus cares about everything that happens in our lives. He wants to be in our celebrations. This was a real event. These are real people. And Jesus was fully God and fully human. So of course he would be going to things like weddings. We sometimes make him out to be all holy and he is. But he's also fully human and lived the lives that we do. A Spurgeon who is, was an amazing preacher um, a while ago said that 
what this story shows is that our family life is under God's care. And I love that. We often forget that, but it is. So we enter into this wedding situation. And uh, the weddings of those days would have lasted days, weeks, a week at least. And people would come and go depending on what they were doing in other parts of their lives. They would stay for a few days, they would eat, they would drink, they would talk with everyone, very social events. And the greatest shame that could happen at a wedding, this week-long celebration, is that the groom and his family ran out of food or wine greatest shame in this shame-based society at that time. So let's look at the story. It's in chapter 2 of John, starting at verse 1, and we're going to read through to verse 11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink but you have saved the best for now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Well, there's so many things going on in this little short scene at the wedding, isn't there? And as I said, there's lots of ways to work through this um, and preach through it. But because of limited time, I want us to just focus on three specific learnings we have that we can draw out of this. What happens when we're in the presence of Jesus? When we're near him? How are we impacted? And three things in this narrative, in the order that we read them, are we see Jesus, there's a result from Jesus, there's a revelation of Jesus, and then there is a response to Jesus. I know the order doesn't sound like uh, like a movie, right? It seems to start with the ending of the movie. This is the result of seeing Jesus, of being with Jesus. Um, and that's where we're going to start. And then the rest of it will be working our way into why? What is this? What does it mean? How did it happen? So the result from Jesus, transformation. Starting in verse 6, it says, Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had turned into wine. 
you know, I, I like, I like how this all came together, right? For Jesus, in the sense that the jars were empty. He asked him just to put in water and he transformed this water. Last week, Pastor Bill said, like it says in John 1 verse 2, that Jesus is Lord over all of creation. And he showed that here. This was transformation. We're not just changed. The water wasn't slightly changed. It was transformed into something completely different, something new into the best wine. And um, the stone jars are interesting because they were jars of purification. So that when people entered in, they would wash themselves the number of times they're supposed to wash themselves. And every time, you know, they did these purification rituals over and over and over and over again. But for us, we often think we need to do that. We often think we have to put in all this effort to do the right rituals, say the right things, pray the right number of times that somewhere we thought we were supposed to do. But we can't purify ourselves, can we? We need Jesus to transform us. We don't have an empty religion that we have to keep working and working and working and working. We have Jesus Christ. We have a transformed life. Now, lots of us, if you grew up in a church, you might have at some point spent time in this ritual life. I know I did. Growing up in a church, it was you go to the church. When I first started to go to church, there was church Sunday evening. And other things that you were expected to be at. It was the number of prayers you were supposed to do. It was rituals for me at that time. Until I encountered Jesus. And I was transformed by him. I knew. I knew it was about a relationship with Jesus and believing in him, not about the things I did to try and earn it. It's not recurring purification. We are transformed. And I also like how this water is turned into the best wine, isn't it? To the brim. Now they talk about these jars holding 20 to 30 gallons, and, but we don't know exactly how much water is because that's not the point. The point is that they're filled to the brim. We are completely transformed into the best thing possible, the best people we were created to be. That's the transformation that happens. There's no halfway with Jesus. He doesn't do, oh, that's good enough. The best. That's the transformation from him. It says in Ephesians, Paul writes that Jesus lavished upon us. And that is what this transformation does. Lavished. We are beings that are beyond what we think we are when Jesus transforms us. I also find it interesting that when we look at who's drinking this wine, right? It's everyone who's there. It's not just the, the disciples who believe, as we read in verse 11. Everyone benefits from the transformation. And we think of our own lives. You know, when we are transformed by Jesus Christ, others should see that. Others should know that. Hear the words we use that are different, that are new and are the best. 
people should see that because we are transformed for the common good which means for everybody not just other believers you are sent into your workplaces you are sent into your schools because you are transformed by Jesus everyone should benefit from how you're living and how you're speaking they should see the evidence of the glory of God in you they should see that they should ask what's different why and you can tell them you are transformed for the common good in 2nd Corinthians 5 17 Paul writes so if anyone is in Christ there is a new creation everything old has passed away see everything has become new that's us when we are with Jesus that's the result of being with Jesus we are transformed amazing isn't it and I like also when Paul carries us through um, in this verse he says all of us with unveiled faces seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in the mirror are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord the Spirit <laughs> this verse brings us to our next thing next aspect we learn from this narrative so we've got Jesus the result of Jesus is transformation the revelation of Jesus we find in verse 11 what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him the revelation of Jesus is glory that is our foundation for all of the signs that John talks about in his gospel they all reveal the glory of Jesus now last week Pastor Bill talked about the glory of Jesus so we're not going to spend too much time on it but remember he provided some examples of where to go to keep your eyes open and he, he challenged us to go gaze upon the glory of Jesus did you do that if not do it today do it this week look for it for me this past week I was gazing at the glory of Jesus and my granddaughters you can't hang around kids and not see who Jesus is. You can see why Jesus picked them up and said, come to me, all you children. So it really is, the revelation of Jesus is all about his glory, which is beyond what we can fathom in our human minds until we see the glory that Jesus is. So, the message puts it that this is just the first glimpse of the glory of Jesus. Now, most theologians think and believe that John recorded seven signs that reveal the glory of Jesus. I'm just going to list these. You'll see them on your screen. I encourage you to have a look at each of these. See what they say about the glory of Jesus. Enter into each scene hear his words so the seven are as recorded by John for us is the wine at the wedding that we're talking about the healing of an official son and Jesus you know he said to him your son will live that is the glory of Jesus then there's the healing of the man who hung out by the pool of Bethsaida 
that uh, their tradition that that if the water rippled, um, if you got in there first, you would be healed. And Jesus healed him. There's the feeding of the 5,000. Again, Jesus takes the simple parts of life, like he did the water into wine. And he took two fish, five loaves of bread, and created enough, transformed, <laughs> made enough food for over 5,000 people. What do you learn about the glory of Jesus in that story? And then he walks on the water. And as he did that, he told his disciples, it is I, do not be afraid. That, to me, that's a, a real glory of Jesus that we keep hearing those words from him. It is I, do not be afraid. There's the healing of the man who was born blind, that everyone wanted to blame sin of the parents, of the boy. Why was he born blind? And Jesus really said, it's so that God's work would be revealed. This is the glory of Jesus revealed in this healing. And the last one recorded by John is the resurrection of Lazarus. And there's lots in that story to read about, to learn more about the glory of Jesus. We have seen the glory, as Bill read to us last week. Now in Jesus' words for his disciples, even before he was arrested, he has a long discord with them. And he says to them, now the Son of Man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. All the way, at the end, before his death and resurrection, he says, all of this was for the glory, to see the glory of Jesus, of me, and see the glory of God in me. All of it reveals the glory of Jesus. So this time with Jesus, we are, our result is we are transformed. What is revealed is the revelation of the glory of Jesus. <sighs> and thirdly, I think from this story is that we are a response to this is belief. Verse 11, I'm going to read once more to you. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Our response to Jesus to his glory should be belief should be belief and in Jesus second sign when he heals the son of the official he says to the official unless you see signs of wonders you will not believe he knows our human hearts doesn't he he does and next week Pastor Danny will be looking at the third chapter of John, and that's where that one verse is that so many of us learn that says, when we believe in Jesus, we will have eternal life. Eternal life. When we believe. And Jesus asked Martha before the resurrection of Lazarus, his brother, her brother, he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, they will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks the question that he asks us. Do you believe this? Do you believe? You've seen the glory of Jesus. Do you believe? And after Jesus 
was resurrected. He stood in front of Thomas, the one disciple who hadn't seen him yet, and said, I will not believe until I see him. And he said to him, well, now you believe. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. That's us. That's me. I have not seen Jesus face to face, but I believe. I have seen the glory revealed about Jesus. I have been transformed. I believe. So he keeps asking us, doesn't he? Do you believe? Can we stand and say we have seen his glory, the glory of the incarnate Son of God, and we believe like the disciples? We believe. There's this interesting, from one commentary I read, I like this, when it talks about this, this narrative of Jesus at the celebration, at the wedding. It says this, what is most surprising perhaps is that this apparently unplanned, apparently unplanned wedding miracle ends up pointing unmistakably to Jesus' ultimate purpose. He has come to draw people to God's consummate wedding feast where they will joyfully dine with him together. Jesus' mighty works done with the stuff of our present world order are amazing blessings in the here and now. And they also point to still greater blessings in the world to come. His glory revealed our call to believe. We see his glory, we believe, and we are transformed. The Gospel of John ends with these two verses. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The result, the end of the story of our encounter with Jesus is transformation, is eternal life, is life in his name here and now and in the age to come. Why? Because the revelation of Jesus is his glory and all that he is and all that he does that we see in other people, in nature, in so many other things because his glory is everywhere. When our response to Jesus is belief, all of this happens. And that's our challenge, isn't it? Do we see his glory? Do we look for it? Do we recognize it? Do we believe? How do you answer that question Jesus asks us? Do you believe this? If you want to talk through that with somebody, reach out to any of the pastors or our brother or sister in Christ. Talk through that. Do you believe? Are you ready to be transformed? That's the result of being with Jesus being transformed. Let us pray.
Lord Jesus, it is uh, wonderful to see you celebrating at a wedding. And uh, one of my prayers, Father, for each one of us is that when we have gatherings, we know and recognize that you are present. You are right there with us. You are enjoying our celebrations as you enjoyed celebrations yourself. You were a man on earth, also God, and you experienced these celebrations. Help us to keep remembering that and seeing your glory in these celebrations and seeing your glory around us in people, in nature, in events, in words, in your scripture, in our silence and solitude time with you, in the miracles you do still do. May we see and recognize and acknowledge and feel your glory. And Father, may we see all of this and believe. You graciously allow us to wrestle with our belief. You patiently pour your grace on us and are waiting to, for us to say, I see your glory. I know I am a sinner and I need you. I believe. I believe, Jesus, that you came to save me. I am the reason you came to earth, that you died and were resurrected and are waiting for us and walking with us. For each individual you came, I believe. And then, Lord Jesus, we, we, we are overwhelmed how you bring us glory to glory transformed. You are the only one who can do that. We cannot earn it. We cannot purify ourselves. We cannot enter into this amazing being that you have created us to be without you. Only you transform us. Only you. So, Father, today, this week, may we continue to hear you ask the question, do you believe May we say yes. May we say yes and be transformed. May we continue our journey of what this transformation means when we walk with you. Lord Jesus, you love us in ways beyond our comprehension. Father God, you are so present in our life being with us, creating us, creating this wonderful world we live in. And Holy Spirit, you fill us. That is the transformation. You fill us. You lead us. You journey with us. You join with our spirit and carry us through. We thank you. I thank you. And we pray this all, as we always do, in Jesus' amazing name and his glory. Amen.